Good evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers. My name is Kim Moore and we bless you in the name of Jesus. I tell you what, that crew that comes on between 7.30 and 8, I mean, I, I, to some of you who might be new, it's like, wow, they sound crazy. They really are. But you know what? Even more than that, they're just real. And I love it. Everybody's real. Everybody shows up and offers what they have. It's not about who has this or who doesn't. Everybody shows up bringing their gift and it's a celebration to the Lord. And so I thank you guys that come on before and just set the atmosphere. And, and you know, I was going to ask you, Mother Kennedy, to blow the um, the shofar. Uh, and, boy, before I even ask, you blow the shofar to end and to begin this, this portion of, of what we're doing. And I'm glad you did. And let me just jump right in. Let's pray. And then I just want to share a little bit and then... We'll pray. So, Father, help. (laughs) God, help. Help. We need your help now. Lord, the body of Christ needs intervention. We need divine intervention now, God. Lord, we need you, Father God. And so we open wide our hearts tonight, God. Lord, we swing open the doors of our own hearts, God. We thank you, Father God, and we say pull back the foreskin, God, of our hearts, God, so that we can see, so that we can hear and know truth and your voice. For you said your sheep would hear your voice and another they wouldn't follow. Father, you said that you are spirit, and they that worship you must worship you in the spirit and in truth. And so, Father God, I thank you and I praise you that our our worship isn't satisfactory to you unless it is in truth and that we're becoming true to the truth. And so, Father God, I'm asking you tonight, God, to help us to break it down, unpackage it, make it plain for your people to see. You see the longing of our hearts, God, to walk in miracles and signs and wonders and to do the things that Jesus did and even greater works. Lord, we pray for those things. We desire, we long for those things. And yet Paul said to the Romans that you see the longings of our heart, but the Spirit also knows the will of God and prays according to the will of God. So, Father, your people have cried out, Lord. We have prayed for signs and wonders and miracles, God, and we long for them. But you also see the deepest need of our heart to conform to your word, to become true through and through. And so, Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that, Father God, as David prays, Lord, that we would know truth on the innermost part of our being, God, that we would be cut to the core, Lord, that we would bleed life so that we would receive life, God, that we create space in ourselves for you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you just don't bombard your way and knock down doors. But, Lord, you're constantly knocking and asking us to come in, Father. And I know we attribute that to salvation, God, but you are continually asking and inviting us to go deeper, deeper into the vortex of your love, to reveal more and more of our hearts and our souls to you, to come before you undefended, Lord. And we just thank and we praise you for the grace to do that. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. Let every man be a liar in Jesus' name. Well, I like to read a scripture in the beginning and just talk for a moment. My my heart really is heavy for the body of Christ and, and 
as I share. And, um, you know, we're just in, in um, we're in difficult and trying times, not only in our nation, but in the body of Christ in the big C church, in the little C churches, and in the individual believers. John 1.14 says, The word became human and lived among us. We saw his glory. It was the glory that the Father shares with his only Son, a glory full of kindness and truth. So the glory of God must be filled with truth or it is not his glory. Let me say that again. The glory of God must be filled with truth and kindness. But I'm emphasizing truth here because we've been talking about truth. So a glory that manifests without truth is not God's glory. The message version says it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. In other words, true through and through from start to finish. You know, I I ponder, and part of my angst and my, my trouble for the body of Christ is, I mean, think about it. How come Jesus could say, be healed one time, and it was done? Or why could he cast out a demon in one word? Why could he say, pick up your bed and walk, and healing occurred? Or to another, your sins are forgiven, and they were healed. These are physical healings, and, and, and my, my mad, uh, guess is mental and emotional and soul healings as well. Why could a woman just touch the hem of his garment? Jesus didn't say anything except that virtue has gone out of me. How is it that friends who were full of faith could lift a man on a stretcher, lower him through the roof, and Jesus healed him and then turned to the man and said, because of the faith of your friends, you're healed. So the man didn't even have faith. It was on the faith of his friends carrying this man where he couldn't take himself and exercise faith that Jesus responded to. Why aren't there pictures of Jesus travailing in prayer for someone's soul or for someone to be healed? How come we don't see those pictures? I know he's sitting at the right hand of God now making intercession for us according to the will of God. But in all of the prayers that Jesus prayed, why don't we see any elaborate prayer of him praying for the souls of men? Or did he become the soul of a man, and so he offered himself to the Father on behalf of men? And if he had become man and had become numbered with the transgressions, would it be me in offering his own soul, would he have not been travailing for our souls? That probably is going to have to rest on you for a second. But if I am the soul that I'm coming for, then there's no distinction between my own soul and the soul that I've come to heal, to deliver, or whatever have you. So why is it that we don't see prayers of Jesus teaching us how to pray for the sick? He just said, you will heal the sick, cast out demons. On one occasion, he says, don't get excited because you're able to do this, boys, but be excited because your name's written in the book of life. Be excited because you know me and I know you. Why don't we hear Jesus agonizing over the soul of men. And yet we know he was moved 
by people. He was compassionate. Why do we as believers lack authority and power? Why does the church lack authority? Why can we speak the word and yet the spirit of the word doesn't hasten to perform it? I know we have all kinds of reasons for that, but if Jesus is our example, we're kind of lacking a little bit. What is it about Jesus that's different than us? What is it about him that God wants to become, for us to become in the earth? What is it about him that we need to desperately understand? Why is God reintroducing Jesus to us unless the Jesus that we know is not the Jesus that did what the Jesus did in the earth? Let me say it again. Why would you need to reintroduce Jesus to a people that are supposed to know him unless the people that are supposed to know him don't really know him the way the Father wants them to know him, and so the Father's circling back to reintroduce the Son to his people. So what is it that Jesus had different? This is my angst in the church because like you and me, I want to perform miracles. I want to speak a word and it happened. I have been uh, privileged to speak and, and, and coach people on the line, and the word of God just bypasses the flesh, just bypasses the mind and, and arrests the heart of that person to tears come out of their eyes, and yet at the end of the call, they feel loved. How is that? Save the spirit of God working with the word of God, and a person who is becoming true to the word she's speaking. So what did Jesus have? What is it about him that the Father wants to reintroduce him to the body of Christ? Here's what I think it is, the short and skinny. And you go, te- you go test this out. I say all the time, I don't care who's speaking to you. You go back and ask God to show you these things in the Scripture. I'm going to tonight. But I say that even concerning myself. Don't take my word for it. See, experience and testimony, they won't change you. What God does through me won't change you. The word of truth embraced by you, working in you, and you working with it will change you. Now, we can help, support, and encourage and become true to the word that's in us, and as we do, it has miracle working power. So the short and skinny of it for me is this. Jesus became the word of God. I know it sounds simple, and it is. It's so simple, it is profound. See, Jesus became the word of God. You and I have had a diet. We have the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. We have the word of God. We pick up the word and we go to church and pick up our tablets, our phone. We We have the word, but Jesus became the word. The spirit of God has not, the Spirit of God doesn't work with the one, or how how can I say this? The Spirit of God is not drawn to the one that merely has the word. Satan has the word. The Spirit of God is drawn to the one who is becoming the word. Let me say that again. 
the Spirit of God is not drawn to you nor obligated to perform anything on your behalf as a son or daughter of God simply because you have the word, simply because you confess the word, simply because you've memorized the word, simply because you speak in tongues. The Spirit of God is drawn, is summoned by one who is becoming the word. It's just that simple. Let me say this another way. Jesus is truth. The spirit of truth is drawn to the one who is truth. The spirit has no obligation, no covenant with one who simply has truth. The spirit of truth is in covenant with one that is becoming truth. Oh, my gosh. See, if we see truth as just a decree, a declaration, a memorized scripture or a doctrine, if that's all it is, then lies are only decrees, declarations, and doctrines. So truth is not about overcoming the lies. It is. It just wipes out lies. The battle is not in us trying to defeat and overcome a lie. The battle is to become true to what we say. See, if truth is just verbal, if truth is just in right having the right biblical theology, if that's all it is, Jesus, the word who became the word, would not have had to come. The spirit of God, the spirit of truth could have done it through Abraham, could have done it through Noah, could have done it through David, could have done it through Solomon, you name Elijah, any one of them, If it was not necessary to become the word of God, the spirit of God could have used anybody and just replaced Jesus' name with anybody. See, in the Old Testament, they had the word. In the New Testament, it was required they become the word. That's why the Bible says in the Old Testament, if you commit adultery uh, with, you know, in your body, you sin. But in the New Testament, it says if you do it in your heart, you sin. Why? Because the responsibility is greater for us who call ourselves sons of God, the bride of Christ, kingdom citizens, to become true to the truth we speak. One of the reasons the body of Christ lacks authority and power is because we have not digested the words that we deliver. In other words, the word hasn't metabolized in us. See, when we realize that truth is spirit and it expresses and permeates itself throughout everything in life, you'll also see a lie as a spirit, and it also expresses itself in every area of every area of, uh, of life. So my thing is, and what grieves me is today, so many in the church, we want power. We want the power of God, the power of Christ, without the personality. We want the power without the personality because we don't want to become the word that is the personality. We don't mind talking about sin, and we should, but how come we don't talk about pretense? Why don't we talk about when you bring something to someone's attention, a hurt or a pain, and they begin to defend themselves? Why don't we talk about why, do you, why are you defending yourself? I'm not attacking you. I'm simply sharing my pain with you. 
Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about why we blame others? Because when we blame others, we're not being true to the truth because Jesus didn't blame anyone. So when we blame, we are a lie and not the truth. We are speaking lies and not the truth. And how about when we make excuses? There is a saying that excuses serve those that give them. There are no excuses. And if you served in the military, one of their things, you don't make excuses. You don't explain anything unless you're asked to. But in the church, we've got reasons for everything. And isn't it interesting? It's interesting to me that when someone comes to us and says that, they've, that we have offended them, we want to explain our actions. We don't want to deal with their hurt. But when we go to somebody about something they've done to us, we want them to admit they're hurt. We want them to admit that their actions hurt us. How is that? And what about when we confuse the willfulness of man and call it the Spirit of God? What when we call things the Holy Spirit that you and I know are not Holy Spirit? And how would you know? Because the Spirit of truth is in us, and he teaches all us all things, and we have no need that any man teach us anything, which doesn't mean there isn't a place for teachers. It just means that you have the teacher on the inside of you, and he's the teacher above teachers. He's the apostle above apostles. He's the prophet above prophets, and the prophet is in you. See, hypocrisy, and I, 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 I'm, I'm really just bearing my heaviness, and so I, I hope it doesn't. I'm not attacking. I just want you to hear my heart because I'm grieved. I'm grieved because like you, I want to see the glory of God manifested in the earth, and there are stipulations, and we're missing the mark. Hypocrisy is more than simply saying one thing and doing another. See, you know it. You know this to be true. Think about it. When people at church say they love you, and you know deep down inside they don't love you, they're just saying it. Or we have to get together. Some of y'all are laughing because you said it. I've said it. And we know we didn't mean it. It's just something to say. It's the polite thing to say. Or how about when we call a prayer anointed when we know it's not? How about when we call a prayer that's very emotional anointed and it's really not? Who does it hurt? Ultimately, it hurts you because you've lied to yourself. You have pretended something to be true that is not true. And God's not going to ask us about that other person. He's going to ask us about us. You knew when this person was speaking it was not true. And yet you agreed with it. Why? What about when we cover another sin who's covering their own sin? My Bible says that God covers what is exposed and exposes what is covered. So what if we're covering things for which there has been no repentance? Or how about this? With, with all the prophecies going forward today, how about you receive a prophecy that's merely encouragement? at best, and insincere at worst. How many of you have been disappointed because you hear words and and you want to believe them, you lean into them, or somebody speaks a word and you'll hear, take that word for yourself. Well, what if God isn't giving you that word? Never think about it like that. 
God wants you for you. He doesn't simply want a relationship with you. He wants intimacy with you. And the only way he can be intimate with you is if you have an undefended soul willing to be willing to become true to the truth, willing to be cut by the very war, the very sword that you're swinging. The Bible says the word of God is is, a, is quick and powerful, a double-edged sword. It's designed to cut both ways. It pierces, it distinguishes and separates the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and distinguishes what we think from why we think it. When's the last time you did something and you got a check in your spirit and you asked the Lord, what was my motive in this? Or he revealed it to you. You knew your motive was selfish or you were selfishly motivated, but you kept going. And so why should God continue to reveal himself to us if we ignore him when he does? And what about all the prayers we pray in our prayer closet to be holy and to be true? And then we come out of our prayer closet. And then someone we love or care about or a friend or a child or someone we may not think too much of speaks to that very thing that we were in the prayer closet about and says, you know what, when you do this, I experienced this, and it's the exact thing that you were dealing and laying on the altar, and now you come out of the prayer closet, and God has given you an opportunity to really lay it on the altar. But you can't receive it because you already prayed about that. Anything God does inside of you, there is an external manifestation of it. I don't have time to break that down. But everything living starts inside is a seed and it germinates and at some point it pierces the soil. The soil of your soul, the soil of your body, whether it's life or death. Could it be some of the things that we're experiencing in health and the challenges we have, including me? I'm not exempt for what I'm talking to you about. I'm including myself. What if some of our challenges have more to do not with our lack of prayer, not with our lack of fasting, but what if they have to do with our lack of walking in truth? Think about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. I know I need to move on, but it, it, I just had to get that out, and I pray you receive it. I'm like you. I'm one of you. We're the same. We're, we're all learning this thing. But we have to learn some different stuff because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. And it's not just merely talking about speaking to strongholds. We must do more than speak. We must become. When you talk about, I talked about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not simply just saying one thing and doing another. It's just not, this, it's not as simple as having, doing something in public and then doing something different in private. Think about it as leaven. When, 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 it, when, when bread is leavened, the leaven is all the way through the bread. It's not on the surface. It's not just the outer part of the bread that there is a discrepancy. Leaven goes through. It's mixed in the dough. Hypocrisy is a mixture of leaven. It's a mixture of sin. Just think about that for a moment. 
It's not just repenting because I said this and I did that. We want the leaven removed from our body. We want the leaven removed. Listen, don't get me wrong. Prayer and fasting, reading the Bible, studying, meditating, being with God, sitting still, declaring God's word, decreeing his word. Guys, they are all vital. This is not replacement or anything like that. It said God is raising an army, and this army looks different, behaves different than the army of yesterday. It's not simply an awakening so much as it is a reformation that's taking place for those that have had ears to hear. It does not please God to want the external world change while we remain the same. That's like asking the world to do the heavy lifting while we sit back and just pray and live as we are. That's like wanting your spouse to change while, so you can keep being who you are, leavened. Oh, my gosh. If we don't, if, if, see, see, relationships have a purpose, but we're not taught that in the body of Christ. Relationships help you see who you are and who you're not. And in order to have a choice about who you are, you must come into relationship or you must be impacted in some way by what you're not. Or else you don't have a choice. That's why we need each other because we all have different gifts. We all have different skill sets. We're all different. We're mature in different areas of our lives. That's why we're called to be part of a body. I don't care if you're part of a five, if you're part of the fivefold ministry or not. You're part of the body of Christ and answerable to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not answerable. We don't serve the fivefold. The fivefold serves the people. And if the people are languishing, what does that say about us that are in the fivefold? The goal of prayer and fasting, reading, studying, and declaring and decreeing God's word, they're important. They're important. But that's not the goal that you would pray more. It's not the goal that you would fast more. That's not the goal. I mean, if, if, if you're being moved in that internally, go do it. The goal of all of these things might really surprise you because it's seldom taught. See, many of us pray and fast and study to accomplish the call of God and the assignment God gives us. And this is good, but it's not the goal. Your call and your assignment is not the goal. Neither is mine. That we can become witness of Jesus Christ is good, but that's not the goal. It's not good enough to be a witness of Jesus Christ. That we can win the loss is also good, but, guys, that's not the goal. That we can enjoy health and prosperity is good, too, but that's not the goal. None of these things represent what the Father had in mind, nor the longing of his heart. Now, guys, I know there are a lot of folks doing some real amazing things out there. This is, this is, I'm not throwing cats and I don't have anybody, I'm not casting anything. I'm just simply wanting you, please hear my heart. And I pray the Spirit of God is joining me in these words because I'm speaking to you with all sincerity. We have done many great things in the body of Christ across many arenas. 
And we're doing some great things. But these aren't the things that give God his greatest pleasure. What gives God his greatest pleasure is when you and I become the living word. If our, own, if, if our manner and way, if our soul's condition doesn't change by us praying, fasting, studying, if we're not different people by teaching, preaching, prophesying, and all of these things, then we've missed God. Doesn't, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how anointed or gifted you are to teach. They are given to you. But who you are, you must give to God. But where do you learn that? Jesus made it clear that becoming his word was his top priority and maintaining his sovereignty because with his sovereignty, he could surrender everything and become the word of God. He became, the word became flesh. It wasn't overnight. The Bible said he grew in wisdom and stature, which means he didn't come packing like that. He came full of the Holy Spirit. But his soul, his body, he had to learn the human life. He had never lived the human life before. The Bible says he learned how to obey God by the things that he suffered. We don't like suffering in this church, this big C church. As soon as we start suffering, that's the devil, the devil attacking me. Well, let me help you. The Bible says in Romans eleven thirty six that all things are from God, through God, and to God. And if the devil is attacking you, it went across your daddy's desk first. And if it went across daddy's desk first, that means he has an answer for you to deliver to that situation. And it was better time spent, Father, how would you have me to respond to this than worrying about the devil attacking you? Because focusing on the devil attacking you will not resolve the problem. Jesus said, listen, the I am's of God, I tell you about them. In John, I am. He says, I am the bread of life. He said, I don't do bread. I am bread. He said, I am the light of the world. I don't do light. I am the light. I don't do the light shows in the church. I am the light that comes to the church. He said, I'm the door of the sheep. I'm not trying to be a door. I am a door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. And if you're still not convinced that this new wine that I'm talking about, and I'm calling it new wine, and that new wine is to become true to the word of God, to become true to the truth, to that the word would become a living word, that you would become a living epistle, a living letter, a living piece of bread that others could bite and you not retaliate with vengeance, that you would become light that don't mind entering the darkness of a sinner's life because when you show up, light shows up. That you don't mind having a conversation about where somebody else might be deceived without having to prove them wrong but trying to understand their story and how they got there because your presence is truth. Oh, my gosh, we really understood this gospel here. Some of the dog and pony shows and things we do, we would not have to do. The new wine is about becoming the word of God through and through. It started in the Old Testament. Exodus 3.14, when Moses says, who shall I say seven? He just said, I am who I am. In other words, I will be whatever I need to be to accomplish my will through you. So who God is to another person may not be who he is being to you. But if you're simply claiming what somebody else has had, you might very well miss God. 
Because he's trying to manifest another aspect of his glory to you, but you're hung on the glory that he's manifesting to somebody else. It would be much better if you received the glory that he wants to manifest to you, and I receive the glory he wants to manifest through me, and then we come together with that glory. Oh, my God, that is a light and a fire that cannot be put out of Jesus. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. First Peter, I am holy. He didn't say I do holy. He didn't have to. Because when you are holy, you will do holy. When you are the beginning and the end, you will do beginning things and you will do ending things. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm not, I'm not doing resurrecting. I am the resurrection. Do you understand the difference in power? You are much more powerful when you use the word I am than when you say I do. Somebody asked me the other day, said, who are you? And I said, bread. And they looked at me like crazy, laughing. But you know what? That sparked more of a conversation than if I would have said, you know what? I'm an apostle of God. And I teach and preach the word of God. That might have got me, might have had gotten me a 30-second conversation. But I could have a 30-minute conversation because what does that even mean? <laughs> See, our, 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 our superficial ways of evangelizing people is because we have not become what we're trying to profess. We want them to eat and digest what we ourselves haven't eaten. John eight fifty eight says, Jesus said to them, I give you this eternal truth. I have existed long before Abraham was born. I am. Well, who said that? His daddy. His daddy. Where did he get it from? His father. Just think about the isness of God. The Bible says now faith. So that means everything about God is. It's not going to be. It is. In his realm, it is. In his realm, eternity, past, present, and future are all the same. One, year is a th- th- uh, one day is a thousand years. One, a thousand years is just one day. Why? Because it's all the same. He's above time. And when you and I really want to operate in the realm of glory, then we must operate in the isness of God. We must operate in the I am's of Jesus. Why is one person compelling and the other not? Because one person is, the other's trying. You know it. You hear it. You just haven't heard anything else, so you figure this must just be it. Listen, God isn't just faithful. He is faithfulness. He's not just good. He is goodness. He's not just loving. He is love. You and I are still trying to love. But as long as we're trying, we're not. And if we're not, then we're, we is not. And if we is not, then, we are, then I can't say I am. It doesn't become with you saying I, I, lo- I am loving. It comes with you saying I am love. Why? Because love is a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. Loving is a verb. God wants us to be something before we express something. The body of Christ has been content to express what they've not become. That's why people don't want to be in the church. 
That's why people are tired of our Christianese. That's why people are tired of our titles. Because if you're the living word, you don't have to announce what you are. Kim, Kim, titles are important. Yeah, they do have their place. But as a son of God, that is the highest title I need. The bride of Christ is the highest title I need. I used to get angry because I know that God has given me to serve in the fivefold ministry. But to this day, people can't figure out what to call me. And now I chuckle at it because I am what I need to be, wherever I need to be it, and I will manifest the glory of God in whatever form, whether it's apostolic, whether it's prophetic. Oh, my gosh, I am not limited by a title. If Jesus needs me to be an evangelist, I can become an evangelist. I'm not typecast. I want to set you free tonight with these words. Stop trying to be something you're not. Set about the work of being, and you will find one day doing it will become native, your native language. Children. They learn vowels first. They don't learn words. And then they learn to spell words. They don't speak sentences. And then they learn how to put words together to form a sentence. And so as they grow now, they have a living vocabulary because they sat with a vowel first. And they owned that vow and became part of that vow. And then that vow became part of a word. And that word became part of a, a, a group of words. And that group of words became a sentence. And that sentence became living, such that when that two-year-old says, food, uh, Mama, I'm hungry, what do you do? You hasten to get food because that baby has a living word. Babies have more of the living word of God than you and I sometimes. That's why the Bible says out of the mouth of babes, there will be praise. Why? Because they don't know anything else. They have to unlearn that, and we help them, unfortunately. Because we've taught people it's good enough just to know the word. It's good enough just to memorize the word. See, God isn't just forgiving. If if if, if all you are is just forgiving, that's not going to be good enough. You must be forgiveness. How could you forgive 70 times 7? Well, if you're just in the mindset of forgiving, you can't. But if you are forgiveness, there is an unlimited supply of you and to meet every challenge that comes. Jesus is not just kind. He is kindness. The Father nor the Son are working to do something they have not first become. The problem in the church today, and it's across denominations, across denominations, including charismatic, is that 
We are trying to do something that we have not become, and we want God to bless it. We want the spirit of truth to bless the word of truth, but we have not become true to the word of truth. And so we have these vain prayers because the spirit of truth is not obligated to answer your prayer where there is no living truth. The word without the spirit is dead. So where there is no life that has been engaged and has been swallowed up by truth, please understand that word is dead. I don't care how well you speak. I don't care how anointed you are. If the life of the person speaking hasn't been conjoined, swallowed up, digested. That's why it's called the fruits of the spirit, because we are to partake of them so that we can become them, so that we can express them. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, you can do all these things, but if you have not love, it's meaningless. The Father and Jesus aren't trying to be loving. If you're trying to love somebody, just stop it. Just stop it. You can't. You're fired. If you're trying to forgive somebody, stop it. You can't. You're fired. That is the will of the flesh trying to work the word of God. The will of the spirit is that you become forgiveness, and then out of your belly will flow rivers of forgiveness. Whatever you're trying, I implore you to stop it. Let me give you, ask you a question, and let's, let me just give you some real, a, a real example of, of myself. My question to you are, who are you? Are you what you do? Are you your ministry? Are you a husband? Are you wife? What does that even mean today? What are you? Who or what are you trying to be? My contention is this, for your consideration. If we added some different confessions to our decree, to our arsenal, we might find the grace to walk out some of the things that we have found difficult to walk out, i.e., loving people who are unlovable, forgiving people who don't deserve it. Because it's not I, but the spirit in me does these things. That's what Galatians 2.20 says. We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. It's not us. It's Christ in us. It's the spirit in us that does the work. And the spirit in you is looking for the word to become flesh in your soul. So maybe if we just started declaring things like, I am love. We wouldn't have to try so hard. If we began to say, I am patience, I am kind. This is, it doesn't get more practical. Guys, this is where the rubber meets the road. I am faith. I am truth. When we begin to make those confessions, they automatically summon opportunities for you to display those things. And if you can, it just simply means you haven't received and partaken enough of that into your soul for the spirit to be able to express itself through you with ease. But when I say I'm kind, I am summoning, because there's no idle word. Remember, his word doesn't go out void. It accomplishes what he sets it out to accomplish and prospers into the thing where it is said. 
And if his word is sent into my sent to my soul and I say I am love, then I must become love and the Father's obligated to send me opportunities to for me to grow in love. And when I can or when I fail, because I will, it's just a recognition, God, I need to receive more of your love into my soul. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, thank you for showing me. And, Lord, I just accept this, Lord. My failure is an opportunity as your invitation to receive more of your love. So I just take 30 seconds right now, God, and, Lord, I just repent if it requires repentance. Lord, I ask for forgiveness if it requires asking for forgiveness. But I sit here and pray in faith, and I receive your love into my soul. And I declare I am love in Jesus' name. I think instead of being so preoccupied with becoming apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, or becoming healthy or wealthy, or doing miracles and signs and wonders, how about you become the sign, wonder, and miracle? Who then goes on to perform signs, wonders, and miracles? They weren't difficult for Jesus. There was no formula. See, when you are something, you don't need a formula for it because you'll be it and you'll show up and be whatever is needed at that particular time. It's not working. You're being and living out of who you are. And when we become the word, we are able to show up however God needs us at any given moment to accomplish his will. Here's a real example. Several years ago, I was sitting at my desk, and I began to declare. I just had this feeling that I just wasn't a kind person. I just, I, I just didn't, I don't know. I just, maybe was, I think probably the Lord convicting me because I just, I didn't feel like I was a really kind person. And I'm sitting in my desk and I just, you know, I didn't, I don't even remember myself repenting. I just remember saying, God, with your help, I am kind. And then I just started leaving off the help, and I began to declare, I am kind. I am the kindness of God. And I know I wasn't always kind. You could just ask my kids, my ex-husband, and, and maybe some of you experienced my unkindness. That's not my desire. But I still need to receive more kindness, too. But first, all those questions, they were all in my head. I was just repeating, and I just was determined. But I had a determination. I am kind. I am the kindness of God. I didn't even say I do kind things. I didn't get deep about it. I just said I'm kind. I'm the kindness of God. I didn't feel anything different. I wasn't behaving any different to my knowledge. But I kept insisting on my confessions that I am kind. Then one day, something was happening, and I just had this desire rose up in me to be kind in a situation. And before I could even think about not being kind or, well, is this person worthy of my kindness, just burst out of me. And I was surprised. And they're thanking me, and I'm looking at myself, don't thank me, I just didn't do that. I mean, and I know it sounded strange, but it was really, that was my experience. I was like, this isn't me. This came from me. This is the spirit of kindness in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit. This is the fruit of the spirit birthed and developed, maturing in me. And then one, and then, and then it just seemed to happen all the time. I just had this urge to be kind to people that I knew that I didn't know. So I write cards to people and send people cards, and, and, and people would 
and I, I didn't even know what to say when I would sit down. I would just get real pretty cards, and, and I'd just write stuff down, and I'd send them, whoever I could think of. At any, I just wanted to, to express kindness to people through writing cards. And, and this went on for a while. And then one day someone unsolicited said to me, you are so kind. And then I had to, I smiled on the inside because I knew that that was the spirit of God the spirit of truth, bearing witness with the truth that I am indeed kindness. And now I hear this a lot. You're really kind. You're so compassionate. You're kind. It's, these are things that I have want and endeavor and continue to desire to become. And that desire has to conceive in you, and it conceives. Well, we know a lot about decreeing the word of God. We decree all kinds of things. But do we really become what we decree? My guess is we might declare and decree a whole lot less about ourselves if we had the full intention of becoming what we decree. So we decree all kinds of things over our circumstances. And I just sometimes see God saying, look at them. They're making all these decrees and declarations on the outside of them. And some of them I'll I'll respond to because of where they are in their maturity, but others of them, Mm-mm. Nope, I, I, I can't honor that because they want something outside of themselves without me doing something inside of them. They don't want to be changed. They just want me to fix that. And so I can't, I ha- I can't give my spirit of truth. I can't give the spirit of God. I can't release myself to that. It would be perverted. Let me just read through a few scriptures. Oh my gosh, we're running out of time. Oh wow. Let me um let me do this. I, I will tell you this. The, the father did say to me that the more truth that he gives to me, the more gracious I must become to his people. The more truth he imparts to me, the more truth he allows me to become, the more truth I become. And it's not even that I'm trying anymore. I tell you what. When your soul is gripped and in the vice grip, if I could say it that way, although that's not a pleasant term, but my soul is captivated. My soul is betrothed. My soul is married to truth. And so when I don't hear truth, when I don't experience truth, whether it's coming from me or coming at me, I have a reaction. It's not like I'm trying to, was this true, is this not true? No, mm -mm, there's something that happens on the inside. It's not a judgmental thing so much as as an inability to join my spirit with that, an inability to join my spirit with that. And so I do have to make a determination whether I'm going to join my spirit with that, that sovereignty. It's not judging that. I'm just simply saying my spirit will not allow me to enter those words or to take part in that. This is the maturity that the body of Christ must go in. This is the sovereignty. This is it. So here's the thing. The truth of the matter is you already are something. Whether that something aligns and reflects and is true to the truth of God, that's between you and God. It is either it is or it isn't. But here's what I do know. If we're going to walk 
in the authority and power that Jesus Christ did in these last days, if we are going to perform signs, wonders, and miracles, there must be a radical reformation in your mindset and in your will and in your determination to become the word of God, the living word of God. Oh, my gosh. Love and truth are inseparable. So you can't say you love God and you're walking in darkness. The Bible calls that a lie. And the truth is not in you. It's not operating in you. So when you begin this journey of confessing, just keep in mind the first fruits to the Lord, the second one is for you, and the third one is for others. And everything after that, because it's a perennial, it'll keep on, excuse me, keep on reproducing. It's for everybody else. The Father's greatest pleasure is that you and I become true to the words that we speak. Here's some scriptures. Second John 1.4, I was glad to find some of your children walking in truth in keeping with the command we receive from the Father. In order to become true to the truth, in order to become true to the truth called kindness, you must learn how to walk in it, and it begins by learning how to sit with it, receive it, and declare it. Third John 1.3, it says, For I was glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you are walking in truth. Third John 1.4, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in truth. God's greatest joy, the, Father, the Father's greatest joy is that you and I are becoming true to the word of God. And in so much as we are, we are becoming a living word, that our presence is light, that our presence can show up and be whatever is needed. We won't have to take thought for what we'll say, for in time of need, the Father will give us the spirit of truth, the spirit of God will give us what what to say. So what is it that you need to become in this moment? That's what you need to ask God, because we can't become all of these things at once. It's a process. But pick one, because what will happen is whatever one you and God decide to work to become and to participate in your life, it will impact every other area of your life. So you won't be losing anything. You won't be, wow, if I focus on this, I'm not going to get that. That's not the way the word of God works. John is the apostle of love. He was the one that laid on Jesus' bosom. He is the apostle who speaks more about love than anybody else, and yet he also speaks a great deal about truth and the marriage between truth and love. So, again, truth is something you are. It's something you are becoming true to. Now, you can be coming true to a lie, and many of us have. But we're substance, your soul, you, 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 the unique you, your soul, what makes you different than everybody else is it's substance, it's matter, and that substance matters. It matters to God and it matters to Satan. Our opportunity is to decide who we will become true to. Will we become true to a lie or will we become true to the truth? It all depends on what you're declaring what you're deciding to become. And I just finished up with this is that, you know, 
what you declare, and you know this from many faith teachings, what you declare is what eventually will manifest. What you speak will eventually manifest. We understand that concerning the Word of God. It works the same way in becoming the Word of God. So if you don't know what to become, start with the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.20, pick one. And if you don't think what I've said tonight is important or you refuse um, to declare yourself or to begin the work and the reformation of becoming the word of God, of becoming a sign, a wonder, becoming a miracle, who performs signs, wonders, and miracles, if we don't undertake the prerequisite work of that, If we don't begin to declare ourselves and name ourselves, someone else will, and you will never become greater than someone else names you. Moreover, you're going to forfeit the right to rule yourself. And those who are unable to rule themselves will not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil in the last days. Because you will have a form of godliness while denying the very substance of God. Because God is truth. So we have a decision to make as individual believers and as churches. Are we going to pursue the gifts? Are we going to sue the fivefold? Are we going to pursue prosperity? Are we going to pursue divine health? Are we going to pursue the glory? Or are we going to pursue becoming the word of God, becoming the faithfulness of God in the earth, becoming the kindness of God in the earth, becoming the forgiveness of God in the earth, becoming the holiness of God in the earth, becoming the kindness and the patience. Some of you struggle with patience. So many say, gosh, you know, kind of all joy we fall into diverse um, temptation because the trying of our faith is working patience. So many, some of you have so many trials with patience because you have not stopped and decided to become patient or patient. You're just trying to be patient. Uh, one that is trying to be patient will have difficulty waiting on God. One who is patient will have no difficulty waiting as long as it takes. Because when you're trying to do something that you're not, Understand it is human effort and not the spirit of God at work. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pour my heart out and I just, I pray, God, that you would find me true to the words that I spoke here tonight. Lord, I just ask you, God, that you would honor your word in so much as I'm becoming that word. That, Father God, above all, in my determination to be kind and gracious and love, that, God, that these, Lord, would be the, 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 the carrier oil of this message tonight. Just like with essential oils, God, you have a potent oil that by itself could harm, but it's diluted by a carrier oil. Lord, let the love of God that is me, let the kindness of God that I am 
be the carrier oils of your truth tonight. I thank you for going where fingers cannot go, for inviting your people to a higher life, to an easier life, where they cease from striving, but they enter your rest because they're no longer trying to be something they're not. They are focused on becoming something you say they are. And Father, I also ask you this, in the hearing of this people's ears, whether by replay or now, I'm asking you out loud. I'm asking you like Daniel asked you, that those that feed off of this diet will be distinguished from those that continue to have a form that have the word but have not conformed to the word they speak. Father, distinguish these on this call that take this seriously, receive it, and become it. Distinguish these with honor, with glory. Release your spirit to these, that when they speak words of truth, they manifest. That what they've labored for and travailed for in their own strength, God, that they will find an ease that when they speak, it is so that the prayers get shorter because the power is greater. Lord, this is the army that you're raising in this hour. This is the new wine, God. And I declare it from your throne as you've made me a member of that army, a son and a bride. Now all are waiting for the manifestation of the true sons of God. And you said this, that they will be distinguished by their love for one another. So make us what Jesus is, that greater works will do in the earth. Not because we're trying, because you're already working and you have found a human life that is becoming true to the word that you want to manifest in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Patsy? Patsy, you have to star six if you're there. Maybe she jumped off. Can you hear me? Patsy, if you're still on, I can hear you now. Okay. (laughs) I had to unmute myself. Oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. Kim. I I tell you, every week has been so rich. It has been... Such good feasting, good meat, and so profound, so needed. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to take notes. And I just, uh, oh, my, and I remember what you said. Sometimes just listen and quit taking notes. There you go. (laughs) That's right. But, Kim, I, I kid you not, and my spirit, it truly resonates with everything that you're saying. I know I've shared with you uh, in part that um, there's just a, you know, it is it is grievous, and my heart saddens because the things that the church is supposed to be, according to the Word of God, according to the character and the example of Christ Jesus, 
is not so. Um, and so everything that you have um, laid out tonight and, uh, and the previous teachings has been phenomenal. So I can't, I, I just, you know, I, I, it's just so, so amazing, everything. And I pray that this has really resonated in the hearts of people. And for some that it's been difficult, as you, you know, you even alluded to, you know, I pray truly that the Lord would just, you know, minister to hearts and uh, reveal by the spirit of truth, truth yeah. to them, to each of us. And I know it can be a challenge and I love, you know, just simply what you said, stop trying to be and just become. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's such a simple statement, but it's such a profound and, and meaty statement. Um, yeah, you know, so Kathy, I, it's so difficult. It, I would say it's difficult because this isn't the diet in the church. Mm-hmm. This isn't the diet of the church. You, you have two things going on in the church. You have a faction of the church that is all they want to do is love. They want to love without truth. And so we are enabling sin. When we love without truth, we enable sin. We facilitate sin. And then there's another faction of the church that wants truth without love. And so you, and, and, and the one without truth wants the one with truth to be more loving, and the one with truth wants the one that's loving to be more truthful. <laughs> and, we're, and we're all jacked up because love and truth were never meant to be separated. They were meant to be together. And so, you know, we, we all need to take heed to ourselves, and, and that's why becoming the word is the merging between love and truth, between mercy and justice. And Bob talks right. about mercy this and justice kissing. This is, this is not really, taught. you know, a foreign, foreign to people, uh, I mean, people that have been on this line, you know, pretty consistently, you know, we understand, and um, and we keep coming back because it, 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 a good eating, <laughs> but yeah. it, it, it has not been taught, and I love what you say, you know, it's not about your title, it's not, you know, and you don't see Jesus going around professing any of those things that... Uh, anyway, I, you know, I I could go on myself, but it's just <laughs> such a blessing, and I thank God for you. And wow, um, I just it gets better and better. And and my prayer is that it's hey, it's changing me to think differently, to become differently. And so mm-hmm. I just thank you so much, Kim. Well, praise God. Um, thank you, guys. Well, let me let me. Um, if, if was there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm finished. <laughs> Amen. Well, I I appreciate you allowing me just to come and help along here, but um, I love this. I love Wednesday nights. I truly do. And so, for all of you that um, may have questions, uh, I'm going to give you Amy's. Uh, cell phone number if you want to contact her. Her number is 678-754-0867. Or if you want to contact Kim directly with questions or if something just doesn't, you don't understand something and you need more clarity, you can email her at kim at moreonrelationships.com. 
com. More on relationships is one word. And that's a good place for them to contact you, right, Kim? Yes, yes, it is. I answer my own emails, so uh, you're, you're welcome to email me there, and I will respond. Amen. And so um, I will give you the replay number, and that number is 605-475-4980, and the access code is 341000-POUND, and the reference number is 171-POUND. So God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We had a scrumptious spiritual food tonight. So be blessed. Enjoy the rest of your week, and God willing, we'll be back on the call next week. God bless.